What is going on guys? It is your boy Perry and I just want to say today's episode is brought to you by Hue Kitchen. Hue is a family funded chocolate and snacking company focused on creating products that match ultra simple ingredients with unbeatable taste. Built on a strong mission to help people get back to human, Hue only uses simple, real, and responsibly sourced ingredients. Hue obsessively vets every ingredient to unite unbeatable tastes with unmatched simplicity. They go beyond what is easy and expected to ensure that their products and practices are ethical and put both humanity and the human body first. All of Hue's products are gluten-free, dairy-free, refined sugar-free, and are not heavily processed. I just bought the Hue chocolate bundle with options like mint, vanilla, salt, and many more. I can't tell you guys, my taste buds are honestly jumping for joy. So everyone, use the code POD, that's P-O-D, for 15% off your next purchase at HueKitchen.com. Once again, guys, that's code POD, P-O-D, for 15% off at HueKitchen.com, and find out why Hue helps people get back to human. What is going on, guys? It is your boy, Perry, back with another edition of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. As always, guys, follow me on Twitter, 49ers Perry. That's team name 49ers, P-E-R-R-Y, Perry, and put it all together. In this episode, guys, I'm going to bring you a pretty important and pretty big preview between the Seattle Seahawks and San Francisco 49ers. Obviously, this game has a lot of implications in terms of just NFC seeding right now and just playoff implications in the future. I mean... Just like every Niners and Seahawks game when the games have mattered like last year and five or six years ago when the Niners were good at the time, these games are huge. And I can't tell you and I can't stress this enough, but these division games really go a long way in terms of a not just a team's overall success, but just where they can stand in the overall standings, where they can get in playoff position. And that's the thing this year, too, is that the Niners likely won't be the first overall seed in the NFC. I mean, Green Bay is looking really good. Seattle themselves is already looking really good. So it's really just a toss-up. But I will say that the higher you're seeded, the better it looks. And I don't know if teams are going to have fans at that point in the season when the playoffs do roll around. But the bottom line is that seeding matters, home field advantage matters, and really just winning every game matters. And this is one of those games, you guys, where the Niners need to come out and they need to dominate. So let's get it kicked off, guys. I'm going to start with the Seahawks' offense. Seattle, this is the same story year after year, but it is the Seattle Seahawks and the Seattle Russell Wilsons. Russell Wilson has been on fire this year, and obviously he's had a couple games where he hasn't he hasn't necessarily looked like the MVP guy that he has been throughout this year. I know in the Arizona Cardinals game that went into overtime, he threw a couple really bad interceptions, and that's kind of the thing with Russ. It seems like Russ is really just due for a crappy game or two or some really questionable interceptions and you can say that about any quarterback you can say that about Jimmy you could say that about Aaron Rodgers this year when he played Tampa Bay some of his throws were just really bad so when you see Russ having a really bad game against or not really bad but just a kind of one of those off games against Arizona I wouldn't really look too much into it the bottom line this season is that I think Seattle is getting the best Russell Wilson they have gotten throughout his time in Seattle 
Russell Wilson this season, 71% completion percentage. He's passed for over 1,800 yards, 22 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. And 22 passing touchdowns leads the league, by the way. So Russell Wilson has absolutely been on fire as a quarterback. And, of course, Russ as the runner is still really dominant. Over 20 carries for over 230 yards. So Russell Wilson this season is really playing like how he has in the past. But it seems like this season in particular... Uh, Pete Carroll and that offense has really just relied on Russell Wilson to be the guy and get the job done. Obviously, Seattle's offensive line is still so-so. They've only allowed six sacks, which is the second fewest on the season. So I got to give them props for that. Seattle has not been known to have a really good offensive line. According to Football Outsiders, they're sixth ranked sixth in pass protection. So they've been getting the job done when it comes to the pass game. And I got to say, it's really reflecting Russell Wilson's game. And that's not to say that Russell Wilson is a product of good offensive line play because we've seen Russ look really good with bad offensive lines. It's just that when Russ finally has some time to throw and when he's not just scrambling and creating plays um, by himself, letting plays develop with guys like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are it's just vital for his overall success and that Seattle's offense's overall success as a whole. So this is the same story year in and year out, guys. Russell Wilson is just their guy. But I'll tell you one thing in particular. Seattle is coming into this game absolutely banged up on both sides of the ball. But since we're talking about offense, I'm just going to mention the offensive injuries right now. Mikey Upati, the guard and former 49ers guard, is doubtful coming into this game with a back injury. Carlos Hyde himself, another former Niner, a former running back for the Niners, is doubtful as well. Chris Carson, Travis Homer, both running backs for Seattle, questionable coming into this game. So this is kind of what I want to talk about, you guys. Seattle is missing three of their primary running backs, and I can't tell you, when you have Seattle, who throughout the years, even with Russell Wilson, who is really good, have they've kind of established their offensive identity based on the run, and we saw that last season where Seattle was just pounding the rock time after time, and they were averaging over four and a half yards per carry with almost any running back, and the thing about that too is that, again, Seattle has never really featured a good offensive line, and it seems like Pete Carroll can still get the most out of that unit in terms of the running game. Well, this season is a little different, you guys. Obviously, Russell Wilson has been dominating the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Seattle's offensive line in terms of run blocking has still been really good. They're third ranked in run stuffs, which means that they're getting stuffed in the run only, well, not only, but they're the third best team when it comes to preventing run stuff. So you got to admit that that aspect of the offensive line has been really good. They're the fifth-ranked offensive line when it comes to getting to the second level, which is even better. And that tells you all you need to know about how successful guys like Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde have been this year. And not having those guys for this offense is going to be huge. And even with Russell Wilson cooking, man, it's still been the run game that has really kind of carried this offense throughout this season, even if Russ has been doing good. But again, no, Car no Carlos Hyde, it sounds like. He's gone on to the season with 31 carries, 125 yards, two touchdowns. And Chris Carson, who's coming in questionable, has been their lead running back, who really has just been a dominant force on the ground. 66 carries, 323 yards, three touchdowns. He's also caught the ball 22 times for 147 yards and three touchdowns. So as a whole, Seattle's offensive side of the ball is just absolutely banged up. Their wide receiver core is still looking really good. Obviously, they have incumbent number one, Tyler Lockett. 45 catches on 
58 targets, 542 yards, 7 touchdowns, and obviously the monstrous DK Metcalf at 24 catches on 44 targets, 519 yards, and 5 touchdowns. They also feel Freddie Swain, who was injured throughout the week, but he's good to go, and David Moore, another wide receiver, complimentary guys that are really good to go. Other pass catchers in his offense include Greg Olson, who I think is 35 or 36 years old, is still all right. He's still serviceable as a tight end, but he's nowhere near the player he used to be when he was in Carolina, and obviously that has a lot to do with age. And then you have Will Disley. Will Disley last season was a top five, top ten tight end who ruptured his Achilles, unfortunately, and he missed the rest of the year. So Disley has been doing pretty good this year. Obviously, he's been kind of working himself back into that offense and really reintegrating himself. I know last week against Arizona, he played 58% of the snaps, which was the most by far for him in the season. So Disley and Greg Olson both are really two guys that I feel like the Niners defense can not you know, move past and really look aside, but you can figure that that's not going to be their their overall main focus. I mean, the bottom line, guys, it's it's the Seattle Seahawks and it's the Seattle Russell Wilsons, and when you have an offense like Seattle's that really is just predicated off play action, predicated off creating plays when they aren't there or even when they aren't there or are there, it's those kind of things that really just set the tone for Seattle's offense and again, Seattle's offensive DVOA this year, second according to Football Outsiders. They are the second best offense in the league, passing fourth, rushing sixth. No matter the amount of injuries the Seattle Seahawks have had, they have still been absolutely dominating the offensive side of the ball. And you can credit whoever it is, whatever teams they've played. Seattle has had their fair share of bad matchups in terms of, or I guess good matchups in terms of the defenses that they've played. But overall, Seattle's still just been that same year after year team where they're just constantly competing and I can't say this enough you guys it's all Russell Wilson it really is and for this 49ers defense which is coming in really hot by the way and I want to talk about this a little bit regarding the Niners defense versus the run they're sixth in DVOA they're averaging over 106 rushing yards allowed per game 4.1 yards per carry which is really good for this defense you guys they're um even with no Nick Bosa and D Ford and all the guys missing, no K1, no Sherman, it's been a really good season in my opinion. And I know the team had that big clunker against Miami, and it's like that happens, you guys. It's really just part of the game. It's football. We we move on. We get over it. We deal with those bad performances. But it seems like Robert Sala, Chris Kosierik, and that entire unit have really just gotten their stuff together and have turned one of the worst units that started off this year even after the New York games, into one of the best defensive units once again. And I'll say this, a lot of people, including myself, have really knocked Robert Sala for not making those in-game adjustments and really not making any adjustments on the defensive side of the ball in terms of rotating guys, getting guys on and off the field, using them properly in personnel, whether it's base or nickel. And it seems like so far... Robert Sala is absolutely making his money once again, and he's doing this without a pass rush, you guys. He's doing this with a unit that whose best pass rusher, in my opinion, is Kerry Hyder Jr., and that's not to knock Eric Armstead and Kinlaw, but those guys haven't necessarily stood out as much as Kerry Hyder Jr. has of all people. And I want to give the credit to Chris Kosierk as well. Obviously, he came onto this team as a defensive line guru. And he it seems like he's the type of guy who Jim Tomsula was when Tomsula was here. Obviously, everyone looks at Tomsula as that bad head coach. But 
lot of people seem to forget that Tom Sula was one of the best defensive line coaches in all of football. And you look at what Tom Sula is doing now in Washington. Washington has the number one rated defense in football, you guys. They are led by an absolutely ferocious defensive line led by Chase Young. And really just Chris Cus- or not Chris Cusier, Jim Tom Zula is doing everything he can in Washington, and it's just it's looking good for them. So you bring C- Chris Cusier in, you have Robert Sala, who's making every proper adjustment possible. He gets Emmanuel Mosley back last week. Mosley looked really good. He was only targeted three times, but allowed only one catch versus the Patriots. And obviously Jason Verrett, who has been a stud, you guys. Obviously, he's still not necessarily the same player we saw when he was fully healthy back in his heyday in in San Diego. But now it seems like he's really working himself back into physical shape. And I think the big key thing about that is Verrett is really just finding his confidence in himself. And I said that on one of our Niners news shows a while ago was that if Jason Verrett can find that confidence in his body, if he can really just find confidence in himself to go out there and make a play and not have to worry himself about getting hurt, I think it's just a mental mindset at that point to where if you're not thinking you're going to get hurt, if you're going to play with all the confidence in the world that you're going to be fine and you're going to go out there and lay the wood, then that's going to make everything fine for you. And it seems like Jason Verrett has really taken that mindset to heart. But in any event, guys, Verrett is playing really well this season. Last game against the Patriots, he only gave up two catches on two targets. And, yeah, you can knock Cam Newton all you want. But the bottom line, too, I think, is that the Niners secondary played really well against New England. And, again, I know Cam Newton is not that good. I know the wide receivers aren't that good. But they absolutely shut down the New England Patriots' offense as a whole, but really the passing game as a whole. And Cam Newton honestly looked like a quarterback who probably shouldn't even be a starting quarterback against us. And that goes to show how good the secondary is. That goes to show how good the linebackers are, the defensive line is, and really just the entire unit. And this is with all the injuries all over the place for the 49ers. So... Tying it back into the Seattle Seahawks game coming up, they are going to have to play their asses off. And I'll tell you, this is one of the games where I was thinking, you know, Seattle has a really bad defense themselves. I'll get into that later, but the Niners offense should be able to cook. How will the 49ers defense handle Russell Wilson? Is it going to be a lot of contain? Is it going to be a lot of cover three? What are we going to see? Obviously, the scheme is based off of cover three, but are we going to see a lot of man coverage? Are we going to see a lot of Verrett versus DK or Mosley versus DK? There's a lot of question marks going into this game, but I think the bottom line for this is that can the Niners slow down Russell Wilson? And obviously, the Seattle Seahawks this year in particular have really taken that whole it's Russell Wilson or bust mindset to heart. And when you take that mindset to heart, it really just kind of, it, it carries your team in a sense, but also it kind of sucks for a team like Seattle to have to really put their cards all on one quarterback. And you look at other teams in the past, like Tom Brady, like Ben Roethlisberger and Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, they all had teams that really just complemented them well. And you saw what that can do in terms of their overall success. And now you look at the Seattle Seahawks where it's like their defense sucks. They have injuries all over the offense. And it's just Russell Wilson versus the world, even with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So the big question mark for this game for the Niners defense is can they slow down Russell Wilson? Me personally, if I look at it from a Niners fan perspective based on how the team has done this year, I would say, yeah, I think they can. 
I think this is a Niners defense that goes out there. They play very hungry on defense. Even with no pass rush, they're still looking to turn the ball over. They forced, I think it was two interceptions on Cam, maybe three. I know Cam had a really bad game. That's the bottom line. So you have guys that are going out there, and they're just absolutely hunting for the ball. And if they can take that mindset going up against Russell Wilson, who threw two bad interceptions against Arizona, I firmly believe that the Niners can really make that Russell Wilson come out during the game and just slow him down that's the bottom line it's hard to slow down the top three quarterback I mean we saw the Niners struggle with Patrick Mahomes and that's been kind of the kind of the niche this year for the team is that can they handle mobile quarterbacks and this is where that argument takes place where it's like well how do you define a mobile quarterback you take on a mobile quarterback like Kyler Murray for example who's just quick and shifty and can break off a run at any time whereas Russell Wilson will break off a run but it kind of comes off as if Russell Wilson at this point in his age will scramble if the play really breaks down and there's nothing there. Obviously, Kyler and Russell have a lot of similarities in that sense, but the difference is that Kyler will just take off and Russell Wilson will let the play develop before he feels like it is there or not. So the bottom line is that the Niners defense and especially the linebackers too, I'm looking at Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. Obviously, Quan Alexander coming into this game is doubtful. Um, God, what what injury did he have? I forgot, you guys. I'm really sorry. But the bottom line is that Quan Alexander is doubtful. It's going to be the Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw show. And it's a matter of can they spy Russell Wilson? Can they contain Russell Wilson? If you can prevent Russ from making plays outside of the pocket and really just keep him from moving up from the line of scrimmage, it should be a better day for the secondary. It should be a better day for the linebackers and defensive line. And this is another big question mark, too, is can the defensive line get pressure? Obviously, Russell Wilson will break a playoff whenever he wants, and he'll really make anything happen whenever he wants. But a lot of that can be determined by how well the defensive line is playing. The 49ers defensive line, I feel like, has been doing very well regarding the injuries this year. Obviously, I can't stress it enough. No Bosa, no Ford, no Blair has really taken a toll on this defensive line. But I'll tell you, with how well the secondary has been playing and how well the linebackers have been playing, I feel like they've been really able to make up for how, not poor, but just how um, underwhelming the defensive line has been for the 49ers. And Kerry Hyder is a leading sack guy, and I would have thought that would never be the case. But when you lose Buckner and when you lose all the key pieces and you get injured, it kind of just happens. But when you have someone like Hyder stepping up, that's huge in terms of the defensive line's overall success. And you can only hope that guys like Ken Law and Armstead and Givens and Street, if he's playing, because I know he's questionable with an illness coming into this game, if all those guys on the defensive line can look at someone like Kerry Hyder and go, wow, this guy is balling out. If he can do it, I'm getting paid all this money. I know I can do it too. And that's not a knock at Eric Armstead, but with his big contract, you guys, he definitely has been pretty pretty underwhelming in terms of sack totals but I'm not going to get into that argument I know that they paid Eric Armstead to be more than just a sack guy they paid him to really be an interior pass rusher an interior run stopper an outside pass rusher as well Eric Armstead can kind of do it all so I don't want to knock him for that you guys but it just is a little frustrating to see a guy make so much money and not really be that big sack artist like like someone like Buckner was for example but in any event the defensive line is going to have to hit Russell Wilson. They're going to have to get after him. And it's one of those ones where it's like, yeah, I know the Niners have struggled against mobile quarterbacks, but the secondary has been doing their job so well. And I think that kind of leads me to this point next. 
The secondary is going to be missing Kwan Williams, but more importantly, they're likely going to be missing Jaquaski Tart and Jimmy Ward. Tart is doubtful, Jimmy Ward is questionable, and when it comes to someone like Jimmy Ward and Tart, who both have dealt with their fair share of injuries in the past, I don't necessarily believe the team is going to put either one of those guys in a position to really just ruin themselves anymore. So you guys, we got to enter Tavarius Moore and Marcel Harris. These are two hard-hitting, fast safeties who basically play like linebackers who can go out and just execute. And they won't go out there and necessarily make the big, splashy, flash plays that you want to see from safeties. Obviously, Marcel Harris, as an example, had that big fumble recovery against the Ravens last year. That was one of those things where it's like, oh my god, that guy just did that. And I'm not going to expect him to go out there and make those kind of plays but i will tell you that harris and moore both are good enough to execute this defense they're good enough to not blow an assignment and if anything their their floor as players is ensuring that the big play doesn't happen and even if it means they're keeping stuff in front of them i don't care because i know i can watch those guys and trust that they're going to execute that they're going to go out there and do their jobs and they're going to make a play on the ball if they have to and I think in the past we've seen Moore and Harris both attempt to make a play on the ball and not really get much out of it. But again, when it comes to the safeties in today's league, you want to see those guys be absolute ball hawks. Obviously, our safeties aren't Anthony Harris, Harrison Smith, um, Kevin Byard. But I feel like, and I feel like, even without the pass rush, this unit still has the potential to go out there and make some kind of play. And that's going to be the big story of this game is that can the safeties and can the DBs intercept Russell Wilson, force a fumble, force some kind of turnover, and really put the pressure on Seattle's offense to execute and get the job done. And I feel like Shanahan, Sala, and this entire team absolutely know that Seattle's biggest pin this year, their biggest knock, is that if Russell Wilson does not play well, we are going to lose. And it's one of those games where it's like, I don't think Seattle can win if they score 30 points. I think this is the type of game where the Seattle offense is going to have to get 40 points. And I know that's saying a lot, but I mean, in today's high-scoring league in the NFL, you need to score points. You can go up against the best defenses, but you're still going to need to score. And I think that's going to be the case for Seattle where... Like always, it's the Russell Wilsons versus whatever team he's playing, but the emphasis this year in particular feels astounding. And I was looking at some big analytics from Ben Baldwin, and he really talks about how the Seahawks have been passing a lot more and way more than normal, and I feel like they're finally utilizing Russell Wilson to their best advantage, and that's using him as a passer. And a lot of the times, Russell Wilson throughout his career has made amazing plays. Don't get me wrong. But it feels like that the offense led by Pete Carroll and um, Brian Schottenheimer have really limited Russell Wilson in terms of just him being a quarterback. And when you open up that playbook, when you let Russell Wilson cook, quote-unquote cook, Russ is dynamic and he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And you can have any type of player or personnel you want on defense. The bottom line is that sometimes you just cannot stop a good quarterback. You just have to slow him down. So again, it's Russell Wilson. So I don't know if I firmly believe the Niners can just stop him in his tracks. Kind of like they did last year, but that was with the pass rush. But can they slow him down? I think they can. Statistics say they can, even if with uh, Russell Wilson's career year. But at the end of the day, you have to separate analytics from the game of football and realize that it's just a game of football and anything can happen. So, guys, I want to kind of wrap it up for the Seattle Seahawks offense. I know I've been ranting on about Russell Wilson and everything. But if the Seahawks offense can just... 
if Seahawks offense, if the 49ers defense can just go after Russ, kind of just pressure him as much as they can, the Seahawks offensive line, albeit ranked second in sacks allowed and sixth in pass protection, they've given up their fair share of pressures. Tackle Dwayne Brown, 12 pressures, one sack. Brandon Shell, another tackle, 14 pressures, two sacks. Guard Damian Lewis, 10 pressures, one sack. So overall, these guys have their share of giving up pressures. It seems like that Seattle's weakest link on terms of their offensive line is the tackle position. And no matter if it's Kerry Hyder, Eric Armstead, let's see what they do with Kentavious Street. But maybe if it's Kentavious Street lining up outside, I know Kinlaw has been playing some edge recently. If if it's any one of these guys that can step up and just not only collapse the pocket from the outside against Russ, but if they can just contain him and keep him in the pocket from making plays with his feet and stretching the field. I think they'll have a really good day going forward. The secondary again has been on fire. I know Lockett and DK Metcalf are just one of the best duo duo wide receiver combos in the NFL. But if you can slow them down, if you can really just limit them and keep them from getting past 20 yards downfield, I feel like the Niners secondary and the defense as a whole will have a really good day. So that kind of continues my keys to victory, you guys. Slow down Russell Wilson. Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw are both going to have to go out there and ball out. They've been excellent in not missing tackles. I know Fred Warner in his last 60 tackle attempts has only missed three. That is really good. But Dre Greenlaw, as of late, over 100 tackle attempts, he as well has only missed three. That is like Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman type numbers, you guys. So if they can just go out, execute, limit big plays, limit busted coverage assignments, I think the team can go out there and beat Russell Wilson again. Shut him down. Shut down that offense. If you shut down Russell Wilson, this game is a cinch. I firmly believe that. It's been proven throughout the years that if you shut down Russell Wilson, the Seahawks are nothing more than a bad football team. And if they can continue that trend, the 49ers, if the 49ers can continue that trend, I think it should be a really good day for them moving forward. But again, when it's Russell Wilson, that is easier said than done, you guys. I will admit that. Alright guys, now we're going to switch it up into Seattle's defense. Obviously their defense has just been the worst unit in the league by far. And I'll tell you guys, I have some pretty fun numbers to read you in regards to how the Niners offense hopefully should look going up against Seattle's defense. But let's start with the rushing defense for Seattle. They are allowing 4.1 yards per carry, which is really good. I would say that's actually about league average, maybe a little bit below. The rushing defense is ninth overall in DVOA, which is good. That means they're top 10. And they're averaging 110 rushing yards allowed per game. So the rushing defense for Seattle hasn't been that bad. Obviously, they haven't been elite. But by no means are they a pushover. They're still going out there and executing and really filling filling in gaps, doing, their, doing what they're supposed to do. And then we switch it over to the passing defense, you guys. And I'm, before I even read any numbers, I can tell you right now that I think I could go out there and be a DB. And I'm five foot eight, one se- about 170, 165, and I'm nothing special. But I could tell you I think I would go out there and play better than these guys. But all jokes aside, the passing defense of Seattle is allowing 368 yards per game to quarterbacks. They are almost averaging 400 yards allowed per game to quarterbacks. That means... Every average Joe quarterback could go up there against Seattle's defense and just absolutely have a career day. That is how bad Seattle's pass defense has been. Let's look at it a little deeper. The defense of Seattle is allowing 19 19 first downs via passing per game. That's not 19 first downs total throughout the season. They are literally allowing 19 first downs per game via passing. 
that is unheard of. That sounds like a historically bad number, and it is unbelievable that that unit is playing so poorly. Um, 67% completion rating allowed. Seattle's pass defense, you guys, has just absolutely been Swiss cheese. And I'll tell you, even after the Jamal Adams trade, I think Adams only played one game, a game and a half. It has not looked good, and it's not going to look even better now that Seattle is not going to have their top cornerback, Shaquille Griffin. He's out. Uh, free safety, Ugo Amadi is doubtful. Pass rusher, Benson Mayowa is questionable. Jamal Adams, who practiced in a limited fashion today, and I'm recording on Friday? Today's Friday. He practiced in a limited fashion with a groin injury. He is questionable coming into this game, but from Joe Fan and every other Seahawks reporter, it sounds like Jamal Adams is not going to play. Obviously, groin injuries are tricky. They're kind of up there with back injuries in terms of how you want to handle it and being safe about it. But that's no excuse, you guys. Seattle's pass defense has absolutely been atrocious. And this is the perfect Jimmy Garoppolo blow-up game that everyone has been waiting for this season. Obviously, Garoppolo, after the Jets game, I believe, had to deal with that low an- or that high ankle sprain. He missed a couple games. It's been pretty rough for him, but I would say even after the New England game where he went 20 of 25, no touchdowns, two interceptions, one of those INTs kind of came off as a BS last second deep throw, which probably shouldn't have really even happened, but you know, not looking at that, people are going to just chase box score stats. When you look at the game, Garoppolo looked really good. 20 of 25, I know the two interceptions look bad, but that's not the story. The story is that Garoppolo just, he played his ass off, and he played his ass off against a secondary that is one of the best in the league in New England, and now he's literally going from one of the best secondary units to literally the absolute worst secondary. And I will tell you guys, if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't go out there and pass for at least 300 yards it will I feel like people are going to look at it and think man this was not a good day from Jimmy Garoppolo and game script will call for whatever Garoppolo has to do I'm not going to judge Kyle Shanahan if Kyle Shanahan wants Jimmy to pass 30 times for 210 yards I don't care just have him execute but the bottom line here is that no matter what happens I feel like there should be no excuse for Jimmy Garoppolo to have a bad game and obviously we're going to see those Jimmy Jimmy G throws that don't look good. Obviously, he has his questionable throws that he does at least once or twice a game. But the bottom line at this point, at this point is that there should be no excuse for Jimmy Garoppolo to go out there and just fail. And, and there's no excuse. That's the bottom line. I know he doesn't have Debo Samuel. I know there really isn't much of a quote-unquote run game with the Niners because there's no Jeff Wilson, there's no Raheem Mostert. Tevin Coleman is finally coming back, but I don't know how well they're going to use him. Jarek McKinnon has not looked good this season, and obviously Jermichael Hasty is a rookie who's working himself into the offense, so I'm not too sure what to make of the 49ers run game, but I will say that if coaches Bobby Turner and Kyle Shanahan can get any amount of running back that they can in terms of efficiency, in terms of effectiveness, I believe in these guys firmly and solidly and I think they'll just go out there and execute and get the job done I believe in Shanahan to go out there and let Hasty work let him do what he has to do I don't think Tevin Coleman will go out and be the primary back it's one of those situations where I don't know how much I want to feed all three of the guys Jarek McKinnon himself said that his legs are still kind of sore and they're still kind of working themselves back into shape Jermichael Hasty himself is just 
a rookie, and he's been very electric when he has the ball in his hands, but I don't know if I want to give Hasty 20 touches or 15 touches. I know I tweeted that, but looking at it in hindsight, it's like, man, I don't want the team to put, put a rookie out to dry in terms of his performance and how well he's going to play. And lastly, that leads to Tevin Coleman, where I don't know how they're going to work Tevin Coleman back in. Obviously, he missed a lot of time. So it's yet to be determined what we're going to see out of the run game. But I will say that it should still be a pretty decent day. Although I wouldn't expect uh, one of those three players to go out there and perform like how Jeff Wilson did. Obviously, my guy, my favorite player on the team, Jeff Wilson, got hurt with a high ankle sprain against New England. He ran for over 100 yards, and I believe he had three rushing touchdowns. He just absolutely had a career day. So prayers up to Jeff Wilson. Take time to heal, buddy. I miss you, and we all miss you. But right now, it is going to be a quote-unquote three-headed backup monster running backfield i don't know how to pronounce it but i will say that i don't know what we're going to expect from the running game but if anyone's going to craft something out of nothing if they're going to bake a cake out of screws nails and dirt it's going to be kyle shanahan and if he can work with any running back in this offense i really believe that he can get the most out of the guys he has at his disposal but i want to move on from the 49ers running backs you guys and i kind of want to talk about the pass catchers a bit this is going to be, I, I feel like this is going to be the big Brandon Ayuk game. Obviously, Ayuk himself is looking is looking better and better as time goes on. Ayuk is just dominant. He's dominant with his ball in his hands. He's dominant as an athletic wide receiver who isn't really a contested catch guy as of yet. But he is the guy who will still go out there and separate, run routes. He'll run any type of play that Kyle Shanahan asks him to do, whether it's an end around, whether it's a screen, whatever it may be, you guys. If Ayuk gets the ball in his hands, he will make things happen. And I know I stated it earlier, but no Debo Samuel, no Richie James. So the pass catchers will be a little shorthanded, but... Don't be surprised if Ayuk just has a 150-yard day, a couple touchdowns. This will be a big George Kittle day as well. Seattle has historically not been good against defending tight ends. I know Bobby Wagner last year was the worst linebacker going up against tight ends. I don't have the numbers on me, but I'm sure it's just as bad this year as well. And possibly... Possibly not just George Kittle, but either Ross Dwelly or Charlie Warner themselves. Who knows if they play, especially Warner. But one of these guys, you guys, I think someone's going to go out there and step up. I know Kittle will. I know Ayuk will. But someone else on this offense, someone within that backfield, someone within that pass catching unit needs to separate themselves from the rest and really be the next big guy. And they don't even have to go out there and make a fancy player, make a special play. Because when you have a pa uh, play caller like Kyle Shanahan, you have a guy who can just scheme open any possible thing. And we hear it time in and time out how Shanahan roughly scripts about 20 to 24 plays on offense to begin with and then opens it up from there. So it really depends on how Shanahan is going to run this offense. But again, when you have the Seattle defense, who is historically the worst passing defense in all of football... And a pretty good run defense, but nothing to overlook or nothing to look into too much. This Niners offense has all the makings of scoring 40 points. I really believe that. I have not read any prediction pieces regarding the Niners and Seahawks, believe it or not. I probably will tomorrow. But I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of those pieces have the Niners scoring over 30 points and maybe even 40 points. And again, this offense isn't really based on getting 50-point burgers and 40-point burgers. I mean, we saw them do it quite a bit last year. But this season, it feels a little bit different. It's just 
2020, you guys. It's just kind of 2020 in a nutshell. But I will say that if the team has the potential to break out and someone has the chance to break out and step up on offense, it is going to be against the Seahawks defense, you guys. And again, I've been watching a lot of the Seahawks games just to get an idea of how bad they've been. When I watch them go up against really bottom tier teams or just average teams, it's amazing how poor this unit looks. And they're going up against the best offensive play caller in the NFC. They're going up against one of the most underrated offenses in all of football, I believe. And obviously, that's with Jimmy Garoppolo, who has been pretty good this year. 83 of 124, 66 completion percentage, 7-4 touchdown to pick ratio. So Garoppolo hasn't been putting up the gaudy numbers I think a lot of us predicted this season. And obviously, a lot of that has to do with injury and really rustiness. But this is the game where I think Garoppolo will get a few passing touchdowns. He might throw an interception, but it has all the makings of a 300-yard game from him. And I think Shanahan is just, I think he's hungry and he's ready, you guys. I know I said it at the beginning of this long podcast, but the team cannot afford to lose games. Seattle is, what, 5-1? and one? Arizona is 5-2, and two, I believe. The Rams are 4-3, and 5-3, and three, I believe. No, 5-2. and two. God, all these teams have five win games, I swear to God. But the Niners are 4-3, and three and, and it's really, it's like, they can't afford to lose. That's the bottom line. I think they have the potential to chase Seattle and Arizona in terms of the standings for the NFC West. But a lot of that is yet to be determined based on how well the team plays on Sunday against Seattle. And the team proved last year that they can beat Seattle, and they beat that with fans. They beat that with fans in Seattle. Now they have no fans no matter where they go. And I don't know if really if the fans are going to affect the Niners too much. The Niners have been really good on the road. I think they are 3-1 and one on the road. And then they are 2-3 and three at home. Something like that, man. I think my math is off, you guys. But the bottom line is that the Niners have not been a good home team. But really, at that point and at this point in the season, there should be no excuse for the Niners, you guys. They need to go out there and execute and do everything they can to just whoop Seattle's ass. I'm sorry for the language, but this is the matchup that the Niners need to win. They need to go out there and just run all over Seattle. Not just run, but pass. This is, and I keep saying it, I keep saying it, and I can't stop saying it, but this is Russell Wilson versus the world. If they stop Russell Wilson, this game is in the bag for the 49ers. The only thing that can stop the 49ers is Kyle Shanahan getting passive on offense, Robert Sala getting passive on defense, and really just Jimmy Garoppolo or anyone on offense turning the ball over. If you can limit those three things in the big picture, no passiveness and no sloppy TOs, this is a good game for the Niners through and through. And you look at statistics, and it's really like the Niners dominate on pretty much every side of the ball. They dominate on offense outside of, you know, Russell Wilson, who makes Seattle the number one offense. You dominate on defense. You are a top 10 unit going up against a top one offense. And really, it's like I I believe in the defense, but again, to stop Russell Wilson and you get the job done. And going back to the Niners offense, you guys, it's like if these guys can just execute, if Kyle Shanahan can scheme open some things, whether it's Kittle or IU, can just absolutely exploit one of the worst defenses in all of football. And Dallas is bad, but Seattle is literally ranked the worst defense, at least via passing. So if the Niners can go out there, just expose them for what they are. (laughs) And it, it should be a game in the bag. I really do. So, guys, I, you know. It's been a lot in this podcast, but I've had a lot of fun. But I do want to bring it up, you guys. This is my last point right here. 
I'm going to say it again. Shut down Russell Wilson, you guys. Shut down Russell Wilson, and this will be a good game for the 49ers. So my three offensive keys of victory for the Niners, if they can limit turnovers, we need to see clean Jimmy Garoppolo. If Jimmy Garoppolo limits those interceptions, even if it's just one bad throw, one bad interception, we know he's good for that in one game. If he does that, okay. I believe in the defense to execute. Let's just not have that interception or fumble come in a really timely manner, say, in the red zone or in the fourth quarter. If Jimmy Garoppolo can limit that and prevent that, I think it'll be a good day for the offense. And then who will step up on the run game? This is going to be a really tricky thing to predict, you guys. I don't know who will be the guy. Tevin Coleman is still working himself back, so I don't expect him to be the the guy on the running game moving forward. Obviously, Jared McKinnon is the next best man up, at least based on experience and type of carries. So I don't know if Shanahan really believes in McKinnon himself. And lastly, that leads to to Michael Hasty, who I just adore, man. I want this guy to go out there and just touch the ball as much as he can. But again, he's a rookie. We'll see rookie mistakes happen, and I'm sure I'm sure it will happen at some point in this game. But if they can just limit those mistakes, if someone will step up in the run game, even if it's not a running back, even if it's Ayuk or Kittle getting some carries, or even Kyle Juszczyk, who by all means is having a career year in terms of rushing touchdowns, if Kyle Juszczyk or anyone in the run game can step up and execute and really just catch Seattle's defense off guard, the offense should be able to explode. That's the thing with Kyle Shanahan, you guys. If the run game is pumping, if the run game is cooking, and the play action is rolling... Everything will be hidden on all cylinders, and this will be a big blow-up game for the 49ers, you guys. But, guys, I think that's about it. I know I've taken a lot of your time, but the Seattle matchup is really big. And I'm going to take away my Niners bias aside. If I'm just looking at this as a fan, I'm thinking, man, if Russell Wilson can be stopped, Seattle is nothing more than a bad football team. So, Taking it aside, I think the Niners are going to go out there and absolutely dominate this game. But that's not to say Russell Wilson himself is going to have a really nice game as well. I'm predicting Niners 44, Seattle Seahawks 26. I think it is going to be a really high-scoring game. But at the end of the day, it's just not enough from Russell Wilson. Kyle Shanahan and the offense and the entire team are just battle-hardened and they're experienced. And that's not to say Seattle isn't either. I think they have all the qualifications of being a good team. It's just when you go up against a secondary that's been really hot and you go up against a defense that is finally hitting their stride at the most important time of the year, it's not going to make Russell Wilson's job any easier. And I really think that Salah and Kosirik and those guys are going to go out there and do what they're supposed to do. So, guys, I think that touches it up for me. 49ers, 44. Seattle Seahawks, 26. And I think just for a little funsies, I will pick one team MVP. And I got to roll with the big guy, man. I got to roll with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's going to go out there and execute. Again, the Niners aren't really going to have a big run game, I think. And I really believe this will be this will finally be the big Jimmy Garoppolo game we've all been waiting for. So, I think we're going to see Jimmy Garoppolo, 28 of 36. I'm going to slap him 345 yards and three passing touchdowns, one interception. And if it gets to a red zone carry where they're at the one in the red zone, I think we might see a Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback sneak. I'm going to throw that in there as well. But guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. Follow me on Twitter, 49ers Perry. That's 49ers P-E-R-R-Y. Perry, put it all together. And follow the podcast on Twitter, RGS Pod. That's letters RGS Pod. And as always, guys, thank you for listening to another edition of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast.